0: Listening
1: to Nightlight. Hi, and welcome back once again to Nightlight. Over recent weeks, we've had a lot of current events and end time shows, so I thought we could take a break from that for this week at least. I'll be joined on the show by author A.W. Trenholm, who's going to be talking about his new book, David, a Man After God's Own Heart. But Let's start with a song. I still have a lot of Emmanuel Gilligan songs that I haven't yet played you. So let's start with this one. It's called Your Life. Who says you gotta choose between the devil and the sea? Who says you gotta
0: lose in his big monopoly? To abandon your belief. And who says you gotta choose to be a victim or a thief? Excuse.
1: Thanks for that, Manuel Gilligan, just one of a whole batch of songs he recently sent me. It was called Your Life.
0: Nightlights Interview of the Week.
1: Alan Trenholm has written a new book, his fourth, about the life of King David, from whose life we can draw valuable lessons, both from his victories as well, of course, as his mistakes. Alan is with us on Nightlight. He's speaking to us from his home in Canada. Nice to have you with us on the show once again, Alan.
0: Thank you, uh, Simon. I'm really appreciative of this time to give uh, the audience an opportunity to read my book uh, on David, King David of the Old Testament, and apply it to their lives.
1: Well, it's nice to have you with us, Alan. First of all, how did you get the idea to write a biography an autobiography of king david's life
0: well it was such a so well laid out in the bible and and every motive and event in, in the whole incident of his life attracted me to writing a biography but not only a biography as i was trying to decide what style or format to take I was given the uh, ability to speak, I suppose, for David. And uh, it's written in the first person of David's voices. And that makes it a little more personal and gives it a more impact, I felt, as to their many meanings and depth of each section of his challenge in life.
1: Well, Alan, to give the listeners a taste of what you're talking about, let me read the short forward to the book. In the words of David. My name is David. I was once the king of Israel. You probably know me as the author of many of the Psalms in the Bible. You may think I was a pretty spiritual guy, but I just want you to know that I was just a man like other men and made many terrible mistakes, sins and blunders in life. But I kept believing in the mercy and forgiveness of God remained with me all my life. I'm putting this summary of my life down for you in the hope that you too will find hope and forgiveness for your sins and the promise of eternal life for your soul and have the abundance of abiding protection that the Lord gave me. My overall message to you is that you can never be too bad for Jesus, only too good I know that sounds crazy, but after you hear some of the stunts I pulled during my life and still remain close to God, and He with me, you'll have to agree that you can never be too bad to be a friend of God. Stay in communication with Him and have a continual dialogue in your heart no matter what difficulties and challenges you face. There are many paths and choices to be made in life, some which lead to glory, and some lead to sorrow and destruction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path.
0: Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight.
1: Yes, you with Nightlight, and I'm interviewing A.W. Trenholm, Alan Trenholm, on his new book, David, A Man After God's Own Heart. It's a beautifully presented autobiographic account of the life of King David. It starts, actually, with the story of the boy Samuel being called to serve in the temple, and then the story of Saul to set the stage for the story of David. Alan, what would you say is the most important lesson that you'd like people to take away after reading this book?
0: I think the most important thing I want to bring out is the great love and mercy that God and grace that God has towards his humans, no matter how frail or foiled or in need of uh, salvation they are. I think, uh, God always brings this out in the lives of his saints. He uses people for examples of how we should live and how we can live and and abide still close to him. I think uh, the story of David, king of Israel and so forth, I think in him and in other famous men and women of the Bible find a message of salvation and, and promise in God that I think this generation really needs here.
1: Of course, David also had a list of sins and mistakes that tend to detract from his good reputation.
0: I think uh, in the record of his mistakes and sins, as we say, I think that's what makes him more attractive to us because we aren't perfect people and, and we have areas in our life we fall down in and we need his mercy and grace continually. I like the story of Samson, who also uh, was a very, let's say, human, and his desires and uh, so forth and struggles uh, brought him uh, not further from God, but closer to a God. Same with, uh, with uh, David. He did many mistakes, like arranging the killing of Uriah to get his wife. But the nice thing, e- examples in the Bible is, that, is the repentance how he reacted to, it and to the correction and of God in his life later. I hope that my example of this, in this biography, we see that God remains with him no matter how bad he appeared to have been. It's a, it sustains his life as it should ours. I want this account of David's life to be a, an encouragement to people. For, I think most people have, sinned or been aware of doing things that they shouldn't have done. But uh, this contains a great promise of staying close to God in time of trouble and difficulty in our life. It's nightlife. What a delight.
1: Alan, how would you say the stories in the life of David are still relevant and can be applied to us today?
0: Couldn't help but... uh, Think of our leaders today when I was doing this biography. I was thinking of all the, the ways we judge them and the decisions they make and everything and see similarities in the thing David was tempted with, such as giving the opportunity to kill the, the man who is out to hunt him down. Particularly his the example of reacting to the fellow throwing stones at him and dirt, saying all kinds of troubling things about him and how it all came out in the end that he was a great psalmist and wrote verses from his heart that uh, changed lives throughout centuries So his contributions in literature and the strengthening of humanity was significant. I think his reaction to situations and how he felt about it really showed Prudence and wisdom on his part. I uh, particularly liked the way he uh, he treated people who were vocal against him. In particular, the fellow who was throwing mud and rocks at him and calling him names, and telling like you old man, you you're miserable and da uh, da, you're getting what you deserve, and all of this stuff must have stung. But he kept going in spite of uh, the criticism. And I was thinking later of what. Uh, he uh, left uh, Solomon with the task of uh, cleaning up the bad feelings he had about the, the fellow and finding a way to dispose of him. It was almost prophetic. The man was uh, treated him so badly. He was also a man who had two servants or slaves. He was ordered not to leave Jerusalem and so forth, but he went ahead and did it anyway and lost his life as a result. I was thinking of the slaves who were treated mistreated by him most of the time, and seeing what his, their master got for his impudence. It must be difficult being a leader in today's world and uh, to be able to shrug off or survive the amount of criticism and biting comments that so many people could have. So it made me... Uh, more uh, sympathetic towards leadership, what they go through to be leaders. And David, uh, he came from just being a simple shepherd boy and not not any special education or training, but other than his abiding in God was his only real guidance. We see the various errors and judgment and mistakes he made concerning his children, his wives, and dealing with others. The Bible records the results of his actions in such a, an open and transparent way that we get to see how he kept the door open to God. Even his sins and mistakes were not enough to shut out God. I hope that my readers may find themselves encouraged by the examples brought out in David's life, knowing that it was always wise to keep living your life with God. It's quite a pleasant night when listening to Nightlight. Nightlight,
1: well, Let's pause for a song. I have two songs in my library about David. Both are from the Bible album, which was recorded by a collaboration of artists way back in the mid-1970s, but still a timeless collection that takes you all the way through the major events and characters of the Bible in song. This one is called Hey Shepherd Boy, and after it I will read a passage from Alan's book where David remembers his humble beginnings as a shepherd. i My Life as a Shepherd. I was influenced greatly by my mother, who was a very spiritual woman and also an artsy type person. Mother taught me to play the lyre at an early age. She was always making up little songs to the Lord, and I followed her example. Sitting alone up on the slopes of the mountains, playing the lyre and writing and singing my songs while tending to my sheep was one of the most relaxing and restorative times of my life. I was fascinated by my musical instrument and had a natural talent for playing it. My brothers were often ashamed of me and my musical talent, were all a bit surprised when I was asked to play my peaceful melodies for King Saul. Some of the king's servants had heard me sing and play my lyre. They recommended that I play for the king when he was being troubled father said I could go and be with the king, although I was still very young. I was nervous about this new job, as I didn't feel I was good enough to make music for a king. Apparently he suffered from mood swings brought on by evil spirits that would attack him from time to time, so I would go to the palace sometimes and play for him. He never seemed to really notice me, which seemed a bit strange. Because my love of music was considered odd by my brother's, I was assigned the job of tending the sheep, a job that put me in the lowest class as far as social status was concerned. As I said, they thought that I should be more manly and military and learn to fight. Three of them had already signed up and were in the army. I had no military training on the use of a sword, but I did have one weapon, my sling. I had a lot of time to practice with it while caring for the sheep. I could hit my target every time the only other weapon i had was a small kitchen knife which i used for cutting bread i really had nothing to defend myself from wild animals but i was very strong for my size when a lion and later on a bear came to steal one of the lambs i leaped up and attacked these animals with such a fury they dropped the lambs immediately and attempted to flee But stones from my sling slowed them down till I caught them and smashed in their heads with rocks. When I told my brothers about it, they just scoffed and said the lion must have been old and sickly. And they brushed it off as just another attempt by me to impress them. I had no scratches or bites to show that I'd ever been in such a terrible encounter.
0: You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight. Shining God's love light to the
1: world. Yes, you're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, and we're speaking with author A.W. Trenholm, who is speaking to us from Canada. And I just read a passage from his new book, David, A Man After God's Own Heart. The book has 55 chapters. It's beautifully illustrated by at least that many art pieces on the life of David by various famous classic artists. I'll read you more from the book at the end of the show, but now back to you, Alan, and here's another question for you. What do you have to say about David as a leader?
0: I think he was a great leader. All that is attributed to the presence of God guiding him each step of the way. He was a shepherd boy who had no training or university education or degrees in leadership, but Stepped into the role simply because he was felt anointed or was anointed to do so, and that was enough for him. To accept anointing is uh, something that we all have to do in our life and choice we have to make, and uh, I think he's an example of, a, of one who stepped into that position. In this biography, I try to bring out the, his willingness to accept God's correction and uh, make account of his life more valuable. His deviations from the path of righteousness, his prayers for himself and others, his repentances and changes are so well detailed, they serve as useful guides for any leader or group of people today. We see the principle how that using one's position of power and privilege can be a great temptation to exceed moral boundaries and impinge upon the rights of others for his own purposes. The life of David provides examples of how God rules, God's rules, of right behavior are played
1: out in life. Of course, the record of David's life is extraordinary, expressing both the good and bad, the victories and the challenges. Do you think your readers will consider how or what they might do or might have done when they consider David's example?
0: Well, life is a rather bumpy road with many ups and downs, and we all make mistakes as we pass. But uh, it wouldn't be a very interesting story if you didn't make mistakes. So I think God lets people make, make mistakes and find out for themselves as they pass through these dark places what is and what is a, is a bad idea and what's a good one. And we can't really tell just by viewing a small sample of one's life what is the end result or the fruit of the thing? For example, David's music talent and songs are among his greatest contributions to our literature and history. Taking his life as a whole, and time we see how all things work together for good. His son Solomon became king, of one of the greatest kings of his day. He didn't become a, a hoarder of the goods that he found in life gold and silver he set aside to build a temple. He had a vision for that. I hope that people who read this book and and the way it's written, I wrote it in uh, David's voice as, as if he's telling his own story. People will listen to him and uh, really strive to become men and women of God themselves. And the nice thing about it is his example provides us a good starting place. He's, a man of sin and problems and uh, difficulties in his life and a king who's trying to kill him and everything but he continues on in his belief so in the outcome he's to be the king and uh, he had this vision of in his heart so he held on to it and yielded to the to God's directions and eventually did become king Feeling all right while listening to Nightlight.
1: One last question. What in David's life and character most gave you the inspiration and motivation to want to write a book about his life?
0: Well, it presents so many angles of life and leadership that it's a real resource of information. I was particularly impressed with how he his life is inclusive, inclusive of other people's opinions and and good counsel he has, and and he's able to not listen to the bad counsel or the wrong things, but he keeps his his way in the Lord. And when he really is stuck, he goes to the Lord, and he follows through on that decision. Perhaps as a child, he had his brothers who were always had their strong opinions and didn't know things that he shouldn't, should and shouldn't do, and probably ended up as a shepherd because of the, the opinions of his brothers. But he took his guidance from the Lord in everything he did, whether he was facing lions or bears or Goliath. He just followed the Lord rather than, than leaning to his own way of thinking. and It gave him a decisiveness in his... Uh, ability to go through life and make decisions following uh samuel's advice i think was a great boost for his, him we have a guest tonight on nightlight
1: and our guest is Alan Trenholm, speaking to us from his home in Canada. In recent years, I've had the great pleasure of narrating Alan's three previous books. That's Journey to Tricon, Journey to Gragau, and Youth Camp. And I had a lot of fun reading those. Let me read you one more chapter from David, A Man After God's Own Heart, so that it can whet your appetite to read the whole book, and I'll ask Alan how you can order the book and get your own copy at the end of the program. This is Chapter Forty-Five, Absalom's Treason.
0: It's nightlight. What a delight!
1: You may have heard of creeping socialism, a term used to describe the gradual takeover of a country by socialism. Well. This was Absalom's strategy to subvert the kingdom, creeping Absalism. He was like a bad apple in a barrel, which, if left alone, would soon affect the other apples, resulting in a great number of apples being spoiled. Had I been more aware of what my children were up to, I would have reacted sooner. It was not until Absalom had an army marching on Jerusalem that I reacted, but even then, I gave my followers orders not to kill Absalom. The intentional killing of Amnon by Absalom plunged me into deep depression. It was the first real sign of Nathan's prophecy coming true. Absalom fled the country to escape death and now lived in exile. I could think of nothing else besides him. How could things be set right again? I was trapped. In a thick cloud of condemnation i don't think i even got any songs of encouragement during this time i went on punishing myself for the mess that i brought upon my family i lost interest in even being a king and neglected my duties to the hurt of the kingdom joab god bless him took on extra responsibilities and did his best to pull me through after three years of going on like that Joab decided to try a new approach with me. He hired a clever actress to present a fictional family dilemma to me. The woman dressed the part and told her story. She said she was a widow with two sons who fought together one day, and one of the sons was killed. The people demanded that the law be respected and demanded that the murderer be put to death. But they were more interested in getting her property than they were in getting justice. Since her husband and one son were dead, if the other son also died, they could confiscate her estate. So she had come to me to beg for the life of her son, and she pressed me to swear an oath before the Lord that I would protect her son. Then she said, Since you feel that way about my son, shouldn't you feel that way about your son Absalom? Why don't you pardon him? It suddenly dawned on me that Joab was behind this woman's act. So I asked her, and she answered, You are as wise as an angel of God. Then I pardoned Absalom, and finally my mind was free from turmoil, and I sent Joab to retrieve him. He returned to Jerusalem, but I did not restore his princely position, and he was unwelcome to attend our family gatherings. He was treated as a commoner, and not even allowed in the palace. Within two years of returning, Absalom asked Joab to get his royal privileges back, and I granted his wish and restored his place as a prince in the royal family. I knew it was a mistake soon after I did it, for his behaviour didn't improve. In fact, he acted like a spoiled child. To get Joab's attention, He set fire to Joab's fields which were adjacent to his. How my little boy had changed. His sweet personality and natural charm were beginning to wear thin. He used to be so cute, with his head so full of long curly hair that he was very proud of. Each year he cut it and weighed the cuttings five pounds. I don't quite know how to explain my relationship with Absalom. I was the king, and my children knew it and were tempted in different ways. They knew that one of them would become the king when I died, but which one they didn't know. We were not a tight family. The children were from many different mothers, and sibling rivalry and struggles to be the leader of the pack seemed to flourish. Uncertainty on my part contributed significantly to this climate of rivalry. Absalom and Amnon were clearly in the lead even above Solomon, but the craftiness and cunnings of these boys in their struggle for dominance were a wonder to behold. Absalom was a plotter and a planner who had a clear vision of himself as becoming king of Israel. He openly campaigned to this end, and even sat in the city gate, greeting all he met with a warm, welcoming hand of understanding and a promise of fixing all problems they were having. He began to make open appeals to the public to support him as king. If I were in charge, things would be different around here. He got a chariot and horses and fifty men to run before him, as he paraded through Jerusalem. His words and behavior were treasonous, but my judgment was so impaired at that time I could do nothing to stop him. When he left Jerusalem and moved to Hebron, he really started to campaign against me. His words were effective, and in a few years he had an army of Israelites who supported him and was marching on Jerusalem. I learned his plan to attack the city when his army was just two hours away, He was intent on killing me and claiming the throne. I knew he would capture the city easily. I ordered my top people to evacuate, and we made our way to the Jordan River. I hoped to get there by night and cross over the next morning. I wanted somehow to bring the Ark of the Covenant of God with me, but I realized that this upset in my life was God's doing and part of my punishment for killing Uriah and taking his wife. So I decided to take my punishment as from the Lord. When we left the city, the people cried loudly.
0: Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight.
1: And that was a reading from David, a man after God's own heart, written by our guest, on this international edition of Nightlight, A.W. Trenholm. Alan, it's been great having you with us. Maybe you could close by telling our listeners where they can buy this book.
0: Thank you, Simon, for taking the time to present my book. The ebook or the paperback can be ordered through Amazon under my name, A.W. Trenholm, or the title of the book title, David, A Man After God's Heart. God bless
1: you. Goodbye. And whilst you're at it, I would also highly recommend ordering Alan's other three books, Journey to Tricon, Journey to Krakow, and Youth Camp. Well, that's it for me. I'm going to go out playing the latest from Jeremy Spencer. It's a beautiful instrumental version of Instrument of Your Peace. And this is in loving memory of the composer of this melody, Manasses, who just recently went on to his heavenly reward.